Star Wars 7x7 episode 1218. Well, we still have to talk about the Phasma novel, but first, let's talk about the Phasma limited series, which reveals just how she escaped from the trash compactor on Starkiller Base and what happened afterward. This is a full spoiler podcast, so let's do it. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Brian J. Jones, author of George Lucas The Life, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and I gotta say, this whole hero business of I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you (laughs) shows up again in the Captain Phasma comic series. The whole thing about putting her down a trash chute and into a garbage compactor is actually legit. That is what Han and Finn and Chewie did to Captain Phasma. So... What it seems that they did not do, though, is take her utility belt away from her. And I did not double-check this in the visual dictionary or anything like that, but I think it's a pretty safe bet that Phasma's packing thermal detonators in her utility belt because one of the first panels you get to see is the blown-out wall of the trash compactor as she is emerging from it. And there is also a Dianoga tentacle, or at least that's what I presume that tentacle is, (laughs) which is a nice touch. Anyway, she gets out, and the first thing that she does is get to a computer terminal to erase any evidence of her treasonous, treacherous behavior. And yes, she did it at Blaster Point, right? So she has an excuse in a way, but the First Order doesn't seem like the kind of organization that accepts excuses, right? (laughs) So I don't think it would have flown. And so she knows it too, and she goes back to erase the evidence. But as she's then departing to deal with whatever the next step of whatever's happening on Starkiller Base is going on, She says, oh, I better check and see if anybody else has looked at the records of this or anything like that. And she finds out that a lieutenant named Sol Rivas has accessed the files and downloaded them, no less. So he has evidence of Phasma's treason and he must die as a result. Of course, she pitches this as him being the traitor as she commandeers a Special Forces TIE fighter and gets a pilot to fly her off of Starkiller Base in hot pursuit of Rivas, who you would think, although we don't get this information in the comic, is trying to find his way to the First Order fleet so that way he can expose Phasma for the traitor that she turned out to be. Instead, he ends up running out of fuel and being forced to land on a planet named Leprora, L-U-P-R-O-R-A. Let's go with Leprora as a pronunciation. I think that'll work. Unfortunately, this planet reminds Phasma a little bit too much of home, of her original home planet of Parnassos, because there are environmental things happening that basically are making the world uninhabitable to its regular human residents. There are horrible sea creatures that are coming out and attacking people and the seas are rising and so it's just getting worse. And it turns out the lieutenant has been captured by these creatures and Phasma does get to him, of course. I mean, did you expect anything else? And tries to get him to confess his crime, which, of course, he has nothing to confess. And he's saying, hey, Phasma, you're the one who really needs to confess. And, of course, that's going to go over like a lead balloon with Phasma, who executes him on the spot. However, she had told her First Order pilot to wait outside, and the pilot disobeyed orders, which is rather unusual for a pilot. But 
be that as it may, she ended up the, uh, the female pilot overhearing and said, you know, I know nothing. Like, I, I don't want to go tell anybody anything about anything. And yeah, that doesn't unfortunately work out for her either. So she winds up dead too, as does BBK-8, the first order BB unit that is along for the ride. So this is not the BB-8E that we see in The Last Jedi or that we're going to see in The Last Jedi. This is just a different evil BB droid. Now, there's a rare moment of emotional volatility, I will say. I think that's probably the best way to do it. In all of the effort that Phasma and her TIE fighter pilot and the rest of the natives that she has rallied to her cause, uh, in the midst of trying to storm this fortress of these creatures, she's getting worn down and has a flashback to some event that happened on Parnassus where she and other characters that we first meet in the Phasma novel are climbing someplace and Siv, who is the one, well, I won't spoil the Phasma novel just yet. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Siv is somebody from her clan on Parnassus who slips and nearly falls but catches a ridge and we get to see Siv along with Torben and the one child Frey from their clan, the one living child at the time of the novel taking place. So that was really a cool moment to be able to see Siv and Torben and Frey when I had read about them in the Phasma novel. Nice to put faces to the names, as I said to uh, Kelly Thompson, who is the writer of the Phasma series on Twitter. So that was a very uh, neat little flashback to have. And she ends up talking to Siv, Phasma does, like, saying, pay careful, Siv, even though Siv is not there. Siv is still on Parnassus as far as we know. Call it a momentary lapse of reason, if you will. And something else that was interesting about the way Phasma was portrayed in this series, they show her having to change outfits because she has to blend in with natives and she has to ditch her stormtrooper uniform, her armor. But in the process, they show the helmet coming off and being set down, but they don't show her face. And she hasn't really shown her face since a certain event in the Phasma novel itself. So I find it really interesting that they've decided to keep a mystique about what her appearance actually is. Yes, we know she looks something like Gwendolyn Christie underneath the helmet, right? But even so, the the choice to keep her face hidden in the comic I thought was a really neat one. And I like the story. You know, it's it's funny how... They promoted the thing as find out how Phasma escapes Starkiller Base, right? And you could try to tell a whole story around that, or you could do what Kelly Thompson did, which is basically dispose of that immediately in the first issue, right? Just she blew a hole through the wall. Great. Now what, right? And so Kelly Thompson told a great now what story. And yeah, it was a fun ride. So kudos to Kelly and the team at Marvel for doing a great job with it. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about what the weekend has in store for you here on Star Wars 7x7. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. 
The Last Jedi is coming out in theaters in December, and so it's time for you to brush up on your knowledge of The Force Awakens. Luckily, I've got the thing for you. It's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book. It's available on Amazon right now. Just go to sw7x7.com TFA to get right there. And inside you'll find more than 501 galaxy-spanning questions and answers about The Force Awakens. Again, it's the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book, sw7x7.com slash tfa welcome back all right so saturday and sunday are going to be a little different compared to the usual not that there's necessarily a usual on star wars 7x7 but they're going to be much longer than your average episodes i had the pleasure to talk with daniel jones and Teresa chung not too long ago and Daniel Jones's name you might be familiar with he's the founder of the Church of Jediism and that goes back not just to 2007 when the church was founded but back to 2001 where the whole Jedi census phenomenon thing happened where a bunch of people in the United Kingdom and associated countries started filling in Jedi as their choice of religion on a census. And so this happens to be the 10th anniversary year of the Church of Jediism, and they're stepping it up in a big way. Daniel has just released a book, Become the Force, Nine Lessons on How to Live as a Jediist Master. And I'm sorry, he hasn't just released it. It's coming out next week. And so I interviewed Daniel, and I also interviewed Teresa Chung, who interviewed him to help create the book. And my interview with Daniel will be appearing on Saturday, and my interview with Teresa will be appearing on Sunday. So we're going to get a bit philosophical about Star Wars and the Force over the weekend. I do hope you enjoy those episodes. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode, and thanks for tomorrow and Sunday as well in advance. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you get separated from your master in a lightsaber duel, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not Darth Maul sliced in half, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.